For someone who has Hugo Weaving on their name, you're acting real jabroni-ish right now. Oh, acting real jabroni-ish. I'm so happy I invited Tom. Greetings <laughs> and salutations and welcome once again to the Capeless Crusaders Live at the time from the digital safe house. I am a very recognizable voice. This is the Zorian one, Anthony Steves in the commander's chair, right here, nice and warm, right here. And I am joined by my fellow crusader. She is the Amazonian warrior queen of our show, and she is... This is Amy. You can find me at IJNURobot on the various social media platforms. But we're not alone today, and what? Lord knows... What? Yes, we're not alone, because we can't be left to our own devices, especially you. Um, he is... The I don't even want to say the brother from another mother, but um, you are just so your your pod. No, I'm the not going to make. Oh, I'm going to say I'm, what? He's the filmic. The yeah. they know who it is. He's he's he's, a, he's what Sam Crow would call a Redwood original. Who are you? I'm Tom. Oh snap! <laughs> just just Tom. Um, you could say brother Tom. from another mother. You could mm. say. I was going to say I don't think anyone remembers filmic like. That I was do. almost so six years ago. I remember forever. So. Well, I didn't want to say your family because that would bring up. Again, from yeah. he is a Redwood original. Yes, we don't have friends. He's not piney, okay? We got and he's family. Not, and he's not. Okay. Oh. Yeah, you, you, you got Vin Diesel. It's not, there. It's not family, it's Familia. But it's yeah. Familia. Mm. Yeah. Play Bandoleros. Play Bandoleros right now. Oh, wait, don't you? Yeah. That's right. We are joined by original K Plus Crusader member, now one of the main figures of our parent podcast Potter and Family. Papa. Nerd on. Tom is here with us. The filmic, what we used to, his use, his uh, past nickname back in the uh, them old K Plus Crusader days when we sat on a table with shoeboxes and just microphones and talked about just regular looking comic books. My old nom de guerre. Your nom de guerre. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> And as I continue rambling, don't forget that we are your number one, allegedly rumored to be number one podcast for anything comic book related. Okay. Supposedly. Supposedly. Pretty much true. Floating around uh, out there. On occasion. On occasion. We read books. Colorful, mm -hmm. illustrated books. Sometimes just, you know, writing, but usually illustrated books. Mm -hmm. And remember, this and every other episode of the Capeless Crusaders is brought to you in part by the Nerd On Nation, powered by Patreon. Patreon? The Nerd On Nation allows us to keep the lights on and up our quality. As a member of the Nerd On Nation, for as little as $1 to $5 a month, you get early access to episodes, a Discord community that is always popping. Tom's on there. You should see it. Bonus episodes and so much more. Check it out at nerdon.tv slash Patreon. When you Patreon. do, when you do an Instagram story and you you put the wrong URL, and Josh uh -huh. is like, "Hey, sorry, man, it's nerdon.tv," and I'm like, "Oh, well, I'm stupid." Uh, that was. It's fun. not like I didn't text you that it changed to t.tv. Like, listen, sometimes you text me at midnight, okay? And it's not all there at midnight, all right? It's not. I, I'm sorry. Some of us got to work for a living. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Cut me deep. <laughs> That's why he's not all there at midnight. That's why I'm crying in bed. Uh, oh, so the for the anything, helps. 
<laughs> the tears fall into it. And sponsored by Terramana. No. Uh, for anything related to the Capeless Crusaders, always and nerd on, you can head on over to thecapelesscrusaders.com or nerd on, excuse me, nerdon.tv slash thecapelesscrusaders. And both of those are your hub for all thing Crusaders. From there, you can find all our content as well as the rest of the Nerd On podcast family. Stumbled and bubbled, but that was the entire intro. How about that? Look at that. That was good. <laughs> you made it. You could Did just it, say guys. all of your podcasts. Huh? You could just say all of your podcasts. Come on, okay, I'll edit it later. I mean, I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know, like, it's cool to, like, have a specificity, you know, where people are like, what, what other content they have? It's like, oh, it's just podcasts. And you're like, just, you know what? Because we, we, we do one thing really, really good. We're you nerds. Know, like, yeah. We're nerds. We're nerds. Big nerds. We nerd very well. Yeah, nerd. and nerd, nerdy things are the biggest properties in the entire world at this moment. Pure Pokemon facts. at number one. Mm. Star yes. Wars number two. Mm. Marvel number three. Mm. Look at that. Top three right there. Nice. Top three. Top three IPs. I'm, I'm doing my studying on Pokemon because the boys love it. I saw. So I saw them backpacks. Yep. yep. They had the originals. Yep. They, yeah. uh, they know so many of the names and evolutions. Um, nice. Which is really good for memorization. Apparently, mm-hmm. like, I have a really good memory. It's because, yeah. like, I have to memorize 750 Pokemon and exactly. where they evolve from, what their names are, and what they do with different conditions, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, and I, I think like, it gives them, like, wow. a step up in, like, the evolution science thing. So when they get into mm-hmm. science, talk about evolution, they're like, oh, yeah, like Pokemon did. Oh, yeah. So I'm excited. I'm, really I'm, good I'm, I'm trying. Way. I'm trying. Good. Keep um, trying. My partner, I've been told, is Lumbre because he made me laugh in the Detective Pikachu uh, movie, the one that just the guy behind the bar who just goes, blah, 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 blah. that was it. And I thought it was oh, funny. Ludicolo. Ludicolo, excuse me. And so that's my guy. I, I've been, that's my partner. And I'm cool I think with that. he could be a really good walking buddy, adventure buddy for this guy. I, I think so. I think so. But I digress. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are tuning in now, you are here for our main topic, which we'll get to shortly. And that main topic is, of course, I said main topic, right? Okay. Yes. Yep, twice. That is, <laughs> we had a reading assignment, one we haven't had in quite a while. We used to have these <gasps> no. all the time. Used to what? be all we did was reading assignments, and then we we're like, uh, "Hey, movies!" Um, but we're back on it, and that reading assignment is, of course, the Alan Moore classic "V for Vendetta." Okay, so that is our main topic for tonight. But before it's the book, we... not the movie. It's the book, the, it's, not the movie. Correct. It's the, the book, comic, not the movie. Not the movie. The it's the book, coming. not the movie. Or is it a graphic novel? Oh. Are we going to have this fight? How are we collecting it? I know some people get mad about that. I'm like, does it matter? You're reading it. You're reading it. That's exactly. I'm like, look, is it a book book or is it a book? Because either way, you're reading it. So, eh. There are so many hills. Why die on this one? (laughs) Because Alan Moore, like, squished it all together. The angry wizard. Who's actually not that angry. But he probably wouldn't care if you called it a, you probably wouldn't care if you called it a picture book. Picture book. Yes, we're going to be discussing the Alan Moore picture book, V for Vendetta, the Choose Your Own Adventure, V for Vendetta today. But first, we're going to cover some topics, and those topics are here in the news. I like that we all, like, just literally, I wish people could have seen that because we all tilted our head (laughs) and then Tom had a dance break for the music song, for the news song. Yes. You know what? I haven't told Josh yet, but Tom, if you could pass the word, Uh I really want to get CNN's own Jake Tapper on our show. No. Why no? He's one of us. No. He's one of us. He's a nerd. The guy's got a Grogu mug. I want to hear the why. Yeah, the why and the why not from. Okay, the why. Here's the why. 
Here's the, the why. Win. Give me the sell. Give me the pick. Big comic book nerd. Uh-huh. Love Stan Lee. Uh-huh. Retweets, retweets anything in the comic book world that he finds uh-huh. entertaining, but to, it's been DC mainly that he retweets. Uh-huh. Uh, dude finds a way to fit in his Grogu coffee mug in between the edge of the camera and the CNN ticker. So when the ticker's going, you see Grogu right uh-huh. there the entire time. He does his own illustrations. He's written his own books. But he's a huge comic book fan, and I want to get Jake Tapper. He's also the most surly guy at CNN. Like, if he doesn't like you, he already's making faces with it. Like, and he spent a lot of that during the Trump years, uh, uh-huh. making faces at the cameras. And I think he'd be a very sarcastic, dry humored gentleman to be on our show since he shares our love for comics. All right, I have two notes, but I'll wait. Amy, why? Why the why not? <clears throat> Firstly, on my personal vendetta list, he's a uh, Philadelphia Flyers fan, so that's wrong. <laughs> okay. He's a, oh, yeah, he's a huge okay. Philadelphia guy. All Philadelphia sports. All right. Yeah, it's Philly. Like, come on. There's you, You're a Penguins fan. Really hope anyway, Jake hears this. Um, so that's number one. That's number one. Uh, the other thing is, I don't know if just an extra dry added humor with Steve's trying to lead a conversation with this man would go to anything but a fire brimming with fire and Poo and fire. Okay, we'll fire. Make a, we'll make it a bonus episode then, goddammit. No, because then you're gonna you're gonna be so mad that people don't have access to this. No, no. We're gonna have to get it released by oh. his we're gonna have to get clearance not only from him, yeah. but his PR people. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, it's just mm-hmm. it's gonna be a nightmare. No, no. You say no. nightmare. I want video of he and I together. Do you know how much I want that? Okay. Do you want to get a cameo? We'll find you a cameo. Where is it? Seven years in the podcast, where is it? You just so, asked for it in the last like two months, buddy. So, so my two notes, real quick, is receives. Yes. Why don't you just ask yourself? And then the second one, what makes you think he's going to like you? Uh, well, there's the. I think he'd like Tom better. I think he'd like Tom better. because the question is, you're like, and he does his face if he doesn't like you. I'm like, aren't you afraid he might do that to you? Yeah, but I'm still on video with him. I don't oh care. My God. <laughs> care. <laughs> But uh you ridicule no, I mean, me for hours. I've been on this podcast for years. I'm used to being ridiculed for hours, okay? For hours? Really? And now you and you now you're, all the episodes you're, together. If you blend all the episodes uh, together. And now you're hosting it. Now you're hosting it for, See? for a guest. So what, maybe the way I handle his surliness levels levels higher. Higher. Okay. This is this is what I'm gonna you know do for you. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep cu- video of her shaking her head so when he does come on the show, oh look, here's Amy. Here she is. Look what she thought of you, Philadelphia. No. Well, I can be salty because, like, for hockey, there are reasons. Like, sorry. <laughs> I'm a Penguins fan. I'm allowed to be salty. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a Red Wings fan, so. <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm going to do for you, Steve. I'm going to go mm-hmm. his, to, to his Twitter. I'm going to slip mm-hmm. and slide in them DMs. Do it. Holla. And then uh, I'm going to say, hey, what's up, hello. Do it. I, please. Hey, what's up, hello. <laughs> say, hey, what's up, hello. <laughs> so, and, then, and then we'll follow back up uh, when I come back on the show. Yeah, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Tom, who didn't shake his head. I can shake, hey, I can shake my head any which way. I have a lot of hair to do so. So, <laughs> much like Tom, there's movement in With it. my hair back and forth. With my hair back and forth. So, what is the news, sir? So, the news that it's is not Jake Tapper coming on the show right now. I, I guess less offensive than Jake Tapper being on the show. Um, <laughs> the Suicide Squad, so far, on Rotten Tomatoes, is doing fantastic. The new um, one? Right now, sitting at a whopping 96% out of 99 reviews. Uh, the last time I checked, those reviews are still international, not from U.S. critics yet. And it's very certified fresh. 
It is already certified fresh by that. Yes. So I guess we already have a feeling that the U.S. critics are going to be like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. Well, um, we still got the embargo for all of the guys that have already watched it. And as well as them doing the additional advanced screenings tomorrow in mm-hmm. a plethora of locations. Including Sacramento coming up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There yes, there tomorrow. have been already some pre-screenings like last week that yeah, were in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. There's been some random tweets flying out there, too, of people who are simply saying, oh, my God, this is really, really good. That it's out there. It's crazy. It's James Gunn unleashed. And um, they love every second of it. So good for him. I yeah, mean, it's, it, he, I think he also mentioned how he that's the highest critical rating score he's ever had in his career. For oh, him, I think it's the for highest DC movie. DCEU film. Yep. So it's I'm a, just oh, in it for King Shark Coochie. And no, so so King, King so I have to backtrack that up. Say that I word again. Back, Say it again. King Shark Coochie. Mm. So hmm. <laughs> they have been sending out to some of the press the charcuterie boards. Oh, she, that, she didn't say coochie. Uh, no, no, no. But they are they are um, not even drummed, but they have King Shark Coochie <laughs> on the the actual charcuterie boards. I will send you guys the Twitter picture of it. It is. Brilliant. Amy, say it again. King Shark Coochie. There it is. <laughs> I, just, I was going to say, that, that's, a, not, that's not a way to talk about a, a prince. <laughs> a very nice one, too. I think yeah. I've seen that video. King Shark Coochie. Anyway, uh, good to hear. <laughs> going to look it up. <laughs> In certain websites. Um, so, uh, yeah, so far, so good for the Suicide Squad uh, with its lineup of Idris Elba, Miss Margot Robbie, the guy you can ever see, John Cena. And Sylvester Stallone as the voice of King Shark and so many more recognizable Pete recognizable Davidson, faces. Nathan Fillion, Davidson, Mickey Nathan Rourke. Fillion. Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi, thank you. Dude who was living in his car when he got the gig for The Dark Knight. Fantastic. Uh, but yeah, great news for them. Um, and I believe, Tom, you have something to bring up that's tied to the Suicide Squad news. Yeah. If you are listening to a Nerd On uh, and our weekly show, The Nerd On Update, then you are a little familiar with this. I just want to make sure that I'm Sigma boosting this as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, David Ayer, um, after a kind of barrage of tweets in the same way, because, you know, that's, I guess, the the uh, celebrity hotline of where to get your information from. Exactly. Um, and it's your place where you can communicate with them. Uh, you know, uh, as we were saying, like, random uh, people who were selected to go watch the screening of it. Um of course, it's it's easy to to praise a new film after such a crazy year we had last year. Um, but then it doesn't stop people from kind of showing their negative side or their nasty side and mm-hmm. um, having to um, kind of dunk on one thing in order to support another. Mm-hmm. And uh, every, uh, one tweet in particular was quote tweeted by Mr. David Ayer, who directed the 2016 yes. uh, Suicide Squad. Yes. And um, uh, no the. Tweet- no yes. the, just suicide uh, squad. Yes, like 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 Madonna. We take out the the. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, the tweet was um, just saw the Suicide Squad. David Ayer should forget about releasing his cut. Um, and then so David Ayer quote tweeted that and then um, released a um, three page kind of note uh, titled the, uh, "My Turn" and um, kind of discussed like a little bit of his backstory, his career. Um, how difficult life was for him on the streets of South Central in LA and um, putting his heart and soul into Suicide Squad and his film and that the film that we all saw was not his cut. Um, he wanted to make sure that was clear. And 
that he absolutely loves, adores, and admires James Gunn. And he wishes him only success. Um, and he won't quit uh, filmmaking, if that's the question. And he won't quit probably talking about that Suicide Squad movie that we all saw is not his movie mm-hmm. um, in that sense. Uh, to be um, uh, given such response from such directors such as Kathy Yan for Birds of Prey, who also mm-hmm. voiced out that she had some uh, difficulties with Warner Brothers as well. Um, and, you know, people like Ray Porter, Ray Fisher, um, and even James Gunn himself, you know, commenting back. And James Gunn has been very open talking about how uh, David Ayer and him have had long conversations about his film. And James Gunn has said that pretty much Warner Brothers would not be the same um, environment if it wasn't for those mistakes that they made with David Ayer of and giving James Gunn full control of uh, the film and the set and what he was able to do. So uh, I only want to bring that up because I think it's important because uh, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, a lot of these big wig uh, outlets now like release topics about it during even on the red carpet. All of the Variety pun, uh, reporters and journalists are asking every cast member, it's like, do you think the, da- the David Ayer cut should be released? And everyone's saying like, yeah, why not? So why it's not? it's a fun thing. And, you know, even if you're looking about the pragmatic ver- uh, way of it. Warner Brothers gets to make uh, money twice on the same on the same movie, quote unquote. Yeah, where's the bad so, news, right? So, it, it just, it's funny that 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 David Ayer has had such a hard time with that because when you look back at some of the movies he's responsible for, he he started the Fast and Furious franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote Training Day. Mm-hmm. The guy wrote Training Day. Okay, mm-hmm. Denzel's first Oscar. Uh, that was that was his first movie. Best actor. So, yeah, that was mm-hmm. his first movie. Uh, he wrote SWAT. He wrote Harsh Times with uh, Mr. Christian Bale, which was a fantastic role Bale took. End of Watch, which is a heartbreaking movie. Um, mm-hmm. And Sabotage Fury, which got so many critical reviews with Brad Pitt mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and uh, Shia. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's funny to me that he had such a hard time, because given such a difficult time making Suicide Squad with Warner Brothers, given the background he's had in these, these are successful films. They, they did well. So it's I don't want to go into the the rumor mills or things that were said, but um, it's crazy to think also. So, you know, the fact of the matter was that um, Warner Brothers took the the editing team that did the trailers to finish the cut of the movie when the original editors for uh, the film. I forget the names of uh, the team, but this is the team responsible for the editing of Inception and Dunkirk. And so you're like, these are Academy Award winning yeah. editors that yeah. you replaced with trailer editors and nothing wrong with trailer editors. No trailer editors is another art form in itself, but it's a different art form in itself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So was, he was involved with, uh, with Joker. David Ayer. Yeah. Am I wrong on that? Mm, might've been a producer. Might've been. Think, yeah. I think that's what it is. He produced. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Sorry. But yeah, uh, you know, more power to both. I mean, I'm happy for James Gunn to be nailing what seems to be just was going to be a fantastic, outrageous, fantastic film. And that he and David Ayer supporting each other. And we could have two Suicide Squad movies out. The original version of David Ayer and James Gunn's wild and wacky and highly rated, allegedly. Uh, And people people are already asking James Gunn what he wants to do next in terms of the DC Universe because he says after... Guardians of the Galaxy is done with Marvel. Yeah. Mm. So he wants to do more DCEU stuff, and he's saying, like, it probably won't be what you expect. So it's like, it may not be a Suicide Squad 3, which is interesting, mm-hmm. to say the least. So mm-hmm. it, it is a is a place to keep your finger on the pulse. And, I mean, more, 
more power to him because he wants, I mean, he's, he's a comic book fan. So he wants mm-hmm. to do Marvel. He wants to do DC. Maybe he wants to do image stuff. Maybe he wants to do yeah, Dark Horse. Stuff. Dark Horse. I mean, Dark Horse and Vertigo. We can get I all was, of I would love properties. to. S- I, I would love to see the article just because I think, you know, articles are, you know, here one day and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, remember when they said that? Like him to be like, I would love to try to do Saga. And we're all like, no. Because it's supposed to be un, unadaptable. Un, dude. Because I've been so, saying, it, I've been saying there's going to well, be that one director who's like, you know what? Give me Saga. But then there's going to yeah. be a bunch of people yeah. who are going to say that he can do it. And then I think a lot of us are going to be like, maybe he shouldn't, though. Just just leave it alone. It shouldn't. It's the shouldn't. Especially yeah. we're supposed to be having them coming back sometime this year it's been fiona's been gently pushing it out like the hmm, hey guys we're not dead yeah. yet and mm-hmm. there's some things that could remain classics you know supposedly exactly. watchmen couldn't be made into a movie and i think both snyder and uh little off proved that wrong that they were both fantastic adaptations lindelof lindelof thank you <laughs> i was like who the hell is little off Who's little off <laughs> i was like just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, Lindelof. So I'm just saying, I mean, give it a few years. Technology, a streaming service is like, we don't know what I would say what like your this, content I, is. Put it out there. I think Saga, if they're going to have any type of adaptation, it wouldn't be an adaptation itself. It'd be like you play a video game within that universe, and that's yeah. the only way you can go about it to explore more of it. But mm-hmm. I think the storytelling of that is just kind Someone's of gonna try. Someone's brilliant. Gonna try. Someone's going to try. Gonna try. I'm, I'm making a De Niro face right now. I don't know why. Someone's going to try. On these shoes. Someone's and I'm just going to keep staring at my first edition, first run signed <laughs> wow. saga right up there on the wall. Hello. <laughs> it's not like the so, pops are literally over my head, too. So, Speaking of people who don't want their stuff adapted, hi, Please Alan don't. Moore. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, gosh. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> we not right. are moving in to our main topic. Funny, because a lot of this stuff has been adapted. Um, we are going to spend some time now on the arguably a literary masterpiece in the graphic novel world, in the comic world. Usually anything Alan Moore writes is always going to be up there in the pantheon of comic book stories. We've covered Watchmen in the past, and now we're going – we've covered, sorry, the Saga of the Swamp Thing as well. We've covered that by Alan Moore, and now we are stepping in, stepping into the anarchy and chaos. That is V for Vendetta – which, again, written by Alan Moore and drawn by David Lloyd uh, on that one. This one came out in... 1989. Thank you Or 1982, much. sorry. 80, yeah, it started 82. in 82. My bad. Yes. And then I said 89 because it, like... Ugh, it's, a, it's a good year. The A's beat the Giants in the World Series. I wasn't born uh, yet. <laughs> wow. Oh, <laughs> I forgot you are the baby. Slam yeah. the brakes on this episode for this old man. Hang on a second. How's your back feel? <laughs> oh, it finished in 89. That's right. Back Started in 82, finished in 89. Back feels fine now because of the... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so... It, it finished before I was started. Ha cha cha. Well played. Um, so, in V for Vendetta, we live in a fascistic... Fascist... Fascist. 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 <laughs> it's fascist. I thought there was a way you could say fascistic, fascistic? but it doesn't work that way. No, fascistic. That's a, I made a poor that's, that's a little fascesis. <laughs> a little fascesis. <laughs> For Jesus? Um, <laughs> a fascist authoritarian state that is the United Kingdom. Um, and just things are controlled by the, the um, fate, the voice of fate. Uh, there's an organization that runs everything. And there is now this terrorist who's wearing a Guy Fox mask, who is blowing up Big Ben 
and creating chaos within England, United Kingdom. And he saves this woman who was trying to make money by her first night out on prostitution. She wasn't even a woman at that point. She She was was, was 16. She was 16, 16, right? Which in... I thought you called her a witch. Sorry. I think think in the UK, the age of consent is 16. It is 16. Currently. currently But I don't know about then. And some U.S. There might not have been one. Actually. A number of U.S. states, which is kind of scary. Oh, dear. Yeah. So uh, he saves her from being assaulted, takes her under his wing, and in his very theatrical way uh, presents to her the freedom and equality that the U.K. should have. And vivish, huh? <laughs> vivish, vivish, uh, It sounds like Yiddish at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh, we talk about resettlement camps in this story. We talk about um, you know just freedoms taken away and how our main character V is fighting against all that. Now, uh, up front, this is my first time ever reading. V for mm. Vendetta. Ah. I saw the movie once when it first, like maybe a year after it came out. And once? It was, once. I know, it was right? A different time in my life, sir. Oh, he looks like he's going to throw up. He's going to throw know. up. Oh, no, don't do it. Oh, this is when when Steve's was dumb. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when he's like, human rights is an opinion. Oh. Hey, I, I've admitted my bad Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier years, and I'm a better man now. <laughs> I, like, I like how you make it sound cool when I just call it yeah. the doofus ears. That's how I make it feel better. Okay. He makes himself feel better by calling right? it a Bucky Barnes ear. Look, Bucky I, Barnes, I Bucky Barnes is still working for fascists or I'm I'm, or I'm, a he- I'm a heterosexual single man. I know when I was a dumb, stupid doofus kid, I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, I was really bad. Well, and I'm just trying say, to get better. When you say Winter Soldier years, those were bad years if you think about it. Not in yeah, not in the, Disney's world. Not in Disney. Yeah, Disney's like, oh, you were Brenda Soldier. You were sleeping all the time. That makes not him a people? toy. <laughs> <laughs> we God. keep all of Sony's merchandising rights. <laughs> it's good sell. Good job. Oh boy. <laughs> so, uh, with that said, and our statements made there, um, you two I know have read it before, have seen the movie. Now, again, those of you listening. We will be discussing the movie in the next episode. This <gasps> one, we're just... I know, Filmic. I'm sorry. Aww. This episode, we are just focusing on the comic itself. Next episode, episode 171, we will be talking about the film. Which, of course, Tom is welcome to come back for that one. So, <gasps> Thank something. you. You've been invited. It is wow. official. You can't be uninvited now. This, If you were a vampire and this were my house, I've now invited you into the house. And this is where I die. Because yeah, he's an old man, he used a little Facebook invite, which no one mm-hmm. uses anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, I was waiting so, for a MySpace joke, but the Facebook invite kind of just stings the same way. So I'm okay. I'm with actually this at this point. super. Sad. I used to do so many Facebook invites, and now I'm really sad that that's not a thing anymore. Everyone uses invite. <laughs> Anyways, uh, question: Why? Yes. Why V for Vendetta? Why because now? Because we left him in charge. Yeah, there. That's one. Um, uh-huh. I felt it was. Many reasons. First, I'll say, being the comic book based podcast that we are, we should be working in some of these classic comic books that we that people should read if they're just walking into comic books. And we've done that quite a bit in the past. I felt this is one that kind of like slipped through the cracks. Okay. And you know, and we already think highly of Alan Moore. We've already read two of his great stories and loved it. So I wanted to throw another one in there. I wanted to learn more about Mr. Alan Moore aside from the two that I've read. Uh, excuse me, three. I forgot about Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. 
forgot that one. This was one of the first episodes that I was on was an Alan Moore as a crossover. Mm-hmm. I guested, mm-hmm. which that was hmm, mm-hmm. so many moons ago. I feel like ago. all I feel like you you were like the guest queen. Yeah, you, you like guest I brought on cookies. so many. You guessed on so many, and then everyone's just like, do you want to just be on? Just just be one of us. Well, I also (laughs) acquired you guys for that uh, Crack in the Vault episode where I first met Tom in person. Uh He's like, this is a very large comic book store. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, it is. Tom and I are are doing the Shawn Michaels pose for the camera. It is a great picture. And I still Mm -hmm. won that that debate. You did. (laughs) On top of that, I feel uh, V for Vendetta, um, there's many similarities with things going on in our current lives now that have existed, I'd say, the past five years. Um, maybe longer, but at least the last five years. And I felt it was a good idea to visit the topics touched in this book, since a lot of them sound familiar, even when Make England Great Again is mentioned in like the first issue or two in this one. England prevails. England, England prevails. prevails. Yes. England prevails. It's Make England Great Again. And we've uh, never really hidden that we, uh, we are a... Uh, you know, anti that side uh, when it comes to a certain orange chicken. Uh, we haven't hidden that in that show. I make That's fun of Ben Shapiro. Yeah, it's on salt and ching chickens. It does, and I make fun of Ben Shapiro quite a bit on this show. So I thought, hey, we said, said the. Oh wait, oh, I said his name. Shit. I, I don't approve of being uh, being mentioned on the show. It's not that's something I enjoy. Here, Tom and I are like, no, thank you, no, thank you. He's you like, know, it's just funny because like five inches tall. The audio of it just makes it sound like he's like a doll in the James Wan universe. Exactly, <laughs> that's how I envisioned Ben Shapiro. <laughs> um, so, well, yeah. I mean, the the one thing I remember uh, reading this compared it to the film, and this would be the only thing I want to say about the film mm-hmm. is that it made the film slightly less enjoyable mm. because when you read this, like, you have much more time. You have 290 something pages yep. three volumes if you're reading it in a collection um and it's going into kind of what i love about um this book is that it's very easy when you're doing a story of like a rebellion to draw the lines of what's good and evil mm-hmm. and that makes it easier for younger readers to kind of just um assume you know, okay, good guys win and they're always doing the right thing. But this book and Alan Moore and also with the illustrations kind of shows the horror and 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 terrifying things that quote unquote people must do in turn it, it to it to potentially upset the status quo to mm-hmm. make a change when there's just nothing but deep seated corruption um proliferating in your everyday life. And there's consequence. And it's not even like consequence of the law, but it's consequence on your soul. It's consequence that, you know, I may be fighting this guy who works for the government, but that person had a family. That person was a husband. That person was a father. Maybe a terrible husband or a terrible father, but that person had a soul. And there are other there are always other casualties that you you have to take accountability for. And that's something that um the film doesn't do and that the book does very, very well to kind of continue to bring that to the forefront and be like, I can't believe you do that, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, and you, it shows really what I think Alan Moore talks about how he says he's the self-proclaimed magician anarchist person where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is what it is. Like a lot of people I think in Americans, modern zeitgeist think they know what anarchy is when like true anarchy, like is like, 
a thing current in with our time that it doesn't care about your agenda, mm-hmm. that it's like um, non-discriminant and it doesn't care if you believe in it or not. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's a riveting story to read, especially when you're going oh, yeah. through and, and go and That's the one thing I really enjoy is that you kind of see every single aspect of fate, which is the face, like the nose, the ears, mm-hmm. the eyes, the fingers, the and mouth. The mouth, yeah. and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. and and yeah, I I love that. But uh, what were you? What, are, what uh, do? Is this the part where we talk about this stuff? Or oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, you, you, uh, doors open. Tom's like, yes, <laughs> in. Um, so I had read half of this before I had seen the movie. Wow. Um, initially, it's it's just usually Helen Moore's stuff is a little harder to digest for me. Um, not beyond that he's wordy, but sometimes it becomes very graphic very quickly and there's always somebody getting raped or attempted getting raped Mm -hmm. or something to that extent. And I've never had a stomach for it. Um, With that being said, going back after seeing the movie and then finishing it up, the collection, I was able to go, okay, I see what you're trying to do with the movie. And we're not you know, we're not talking the movie tonight, which is kind of difficult because the comparisons uh-huh. are so drastic. And so you want to talk about it because most people are like, yeah, V for Vendetta. And they're never going to take the time to read the book. Uh-huh. It's It suffers the Watchmen, um, the Watchmen effect where people uh-huh. will always watch what's easy and capable and not take the time to actually read the book. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree with what Tom was saying that the the book makes kind of lets you know more of the concept of anarchy and um v calls it the land of do as you do as you want mm-hmm. um and he's like there's an interim period where it's the land of um or it's like the land of do as you please but it's like take what you want or mm-hmm. some like that type of concept mm-hmm. and it has anarchy doesn't have an your agenda in mind it's whatever it wants to be um and it's much more focused in attention in the book than it is in the movie and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of, as we started to say, there's differences in characters and how you relate to them. But also there's a longer period of time that we actually get to develop an understanding with Evie, with V, with everything that Norse Fire and Fate is doing. Um, and so, yeah, I have thoughts, but they're also in real. I'm like, we're not talking about the movie until next week. So this is really frustrating. <laughs> What about uh, you, you, I, Steve's? I yeah, what was your thoughts? I mean, yeah, you're I the fresh baby on this one. It's true, I am. Uh, I automatically did hear Hugo Weaving and Natalie Portman's voices for these characters, so I number one that. number one for me was Pro, uh, Prothero. I was like, yes. oh, mm-hmm. uh, God mm-hmm. prevails. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, uh, like I brought up, this, so this the movie itself again, movie came out in two thousand five. Okay. And we're in the middle of, you know, the war on terror. You mm-hmm. know, we're in Afghanistan and Iraq. Mm-hmm. Only there a few years. And so at that time, I was, like I, like I mentioned, dumb 20s that I was in. I was believing everything a certain cable news network said. I was believing everything certain AM radio talking heads would say. I'm, I'm admitting it because I'm not there anymore. Um, so I would listen to what they would say. And that V for Vendetta was this pro-terrorism movie against anything that attacks terrorism. And so, you know, I watched it once, enjoyed the entertainment value, and that was it. Uh, Now that I'm a different man, I'm, you know, 180 Tony Stark, um, I 
I appreciate this so much more because I looked at it with these blinders on back then. And that's now reading the book and seeing how much deeper the book goes than the film itself. Um, seeing parts that the movie used um, that stuck out to me, but seeing how much more in-depth it went, how much more time they spent on the stance of anarchy, what was happening in the UK, the resettlement camps, deeper into what they were doing there. I just, I've, late in life, I've become an Alan Moore fan, you know, reading his stories. I love the Watchmen comics. I, I, I love the V for Vendetta story, and I'm excited to watch the movie again. I know he's, I know he's, you know, he's, out there, I'm aware, um, but I, his stories are fantastic, and you know I've enjoyed Killing Joke, I enjoyed Watchmen, and I enjoyed the hell out of V for Vendetta. I have Googled the Guy Fox mask and know that the story of Guy Fox is different from what you see in the, in this comic, much different. Um, but I won't look at the mask the same way again. I'm looking at it right now on the screen of my TV as a as the artwork by David Lloyd is staring at me in my face as we speak, just that smile looking at me with that tilted. Um, but I. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I really did. And I, uh, you know, a little anarchy sometimes could be, could be needed. I, mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, um, <laughs> to a degree. I, to a degree. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's an interesting thing that happens with V that I think the list, the, the listeners can benefit from when reading is that you, you might pick up a V for Vendetta book and you're looking at it and like, if you're brand new to comic books, you'd be like, okay, maybe this is like a, a superhero in a fascist regime it's not it's more of like someone who is literally an extremist who is weirdly enough the absolute thing that this regime needs in order for it to fall but it isn't it's it's like the fight club the the joker movie the taxi driver thing if you look Mm. up to this character you didn't really get the point exactly um but the He's thing the with, extreme you need only in this extreme situation, not a standard. Well, it, it's it, like there's a moment in there. So we're all in spoilers, right? Yeah, yes. of course. Yeah, There's a moment like, that. It's 82. Okay. 82 to 89. You're, <laughs> you're old enough now, Tom. You're old enough. One, one of my favorite parts in the book or in the collection is when he's having his second conversation with uh, Lady Liberty. Uh, or is it Lady Justice? Uh, but um, – you know, it's blinded justice. It's the woman mm-hmm. holding the scales. Mm-hmm. And um, he's talking with this statue and he's personified it. And he's uh, having this one way dialogue monologue thing, but he's also filling in the voice. And in this moment, he's talking about like, oh, I've always admired you from afar. You're my one true love. You know, talking about like liberty and justice. And you know, you're like, okay, cool. This guy is a good guy. And then, <laughs> you hear, and then you hear him like kind of voice in and say like, but you know, she's like, oh, but you've fallen for a harlot and, and you're not, you don't love me anymore. And he's like, but you've fallen for someone else first, the man in the uniform. And it's kind of talking about this perverseness that happens with kind of like maybe something that we're talking about now in our social consciousness of that, you know, what it really means that might makes right. And history is written by the survivors. Um, and it's not written by the people who are in power. Um, and justice is kind of just defined by the people who are in that power. Um, and that, that's the, uh, you know, Amy and I are giving you weird looks or funny looks or just like careful young one looks, um, when you're like, I'm becoming a big Alan Moore fan because it gets close to Marxism. It gets close to things that like a yeah. traditional capitalist American person would be like, this person's a communist when yep. it's kind of like what um, 
the general said recently at a court hearing, I forget his name, but he was like, if I read the Quran, it doesn't mean in the hap, you know, there's an example. It's like, it's so I can understand it. It doesn't mean I adopt that faith. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think with Alan Moore, in a way, even though he talks about uh, to uh, anarchy, I think you almost start adopting nihilism a lot more where you kind of just don't believe in anyone because Mm -hmm. every power, whether it is the power of anarchy or the power of establishment and rule and governing and power uh, is, is kind of unbridled and unchecked leads to just chaos and uh, both on both ends. Um, Whether it's chaos of the soul where you go off doing your own thing or the complacency of chaos where it's like, you just don't, you just let the decisions be made for you. Um, And so he has that moment where he takes over the, the BCTV uh, is it BCTV? Yeah. Where, but mm-hmm. uh, the, the television. Like BTN and. The BTN, the, yeah. The, the Jordan stuff. Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, and he BBC. has his. Yeah. And he. <laughs> BBC. Um, it's BBC. And, it is. Um, and then he talks about like how, you know, he talks to the audiences and he talks about. Mm-hmm. like, and, and that's kind of the, the crazy thing that the, the book offers is this like um, looking glass, a little bit of like, maybe it's not talking to you, but it is going to start asking you, how do you view things like the 24 hour news cycle, the, the, the media outlets that tell you what justice truly is. Um, the, the world that's kind of fabricated in a way that's kind of like, you know, a big thing that I have, uh, like I talk about and make an issue about is that like, we talk about diversity and representation a lot now because of the Mm -hmm. big companies that find it valuable to talk about it when it's always been valuable to talk about Mm -hmm. it. But Mm -hmm. now for some reason, the Academy Awards wants to open up a new category or now there's big pushes for the hiring people who are underrepresented. And it's like, but these people have always been underrepresented. Why Mm -hmm. is it different now? And there's nothing against to talk about like progress is progress and we should always be rooting for progress. But Mm -hmm. um, the book, like uh, it kind of, it has a way of kind of making you think a little bit more of why society moves the way it moves. And then that, I think that's what I would say when I'm saying I'm a fan of his, as I, you say comic books to some people who don't read comics and they think it's just, oh, wow, bam, pow, superheroes, man. It's a picture book. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And everything. It's a picture book. It's a grown up picture book. Everything Alan Moore does is so much more complex than that. And that's what I appreciate in the stories where Watchmen, V for Vendetta, the stories are deeper than just comic book figure does this, 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 yay, superheroes. It's never just that with him. It's so much more of a thinking piece. And that's what I'm saying I'm liking about his works is because I don't just read them and see punches and victory in the day. I'm getting deeper storytelling that I would say inspired the likes of Hickman down the road or or, or Scott Snyder types or what have or you. Or Neil Gaiman. Or Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. Yeah. Exactly. How Neil Gaiman stories. only came to comic books because of Swamp Thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it, it spawned this whole deeper storytelling in this medium that some who aren't knowledgeable on it would just think it's just eh, cartoons on pages and it's more than that and that's what i i'd add alan more to that list regarding that as i'm taking up you know magic magic skills or anything lately i mean i mean you could start playing magic the gathering but I mean, it's an entirely the, different episode tom and i love the prestige so i mean that's just a different Ooh, story good movie oh, the prestige yeah. beautiful film um, <laughs> um no i can, go, I can yeah, totally get on please. board with that i mean um the thing that more is consistently done with through his work is he always speaks directly to the reader mm-hmm. um, using whether it's the anti it's the anti-hero um, or it's the questionable hero. It's his work is always made and designed to question you 
Mm-hmm. It's not just why are you reading, but it's do you understand what's going on? What do you are believe? You, what, and it's a very what do you believe type of moment. Um, whether it's Rorschach with a watchman or it is um, Alex, Swamp Thing, oh. in Saga of the Swamp Thing. Um, or it's Joker in Killing Joke. Um, using V as that catalyst to make you question what you believe or if you choose to believe in anything is really great. But considering also... Moore has specifically stated in lots of interviews that he didn't write this to tell people what to think. Um, and so he gives you that space as a reader to make your own decision, mm-hmm. which is in in and of itself is scary because this world is designed and most of our society is designed to have a nose, to have the ear, to have the mouth, to have, you know, the fingers. Everything's lined up just so. And when you're given that opportunity for choice, the first thing is to always default to the safety of somebody else's control. Um, And this pushes so many questions that, and I'm not saying weaker souls, but I'm saying people that are uncomfortable with being confronted with what's right in front of them will immediately draw back and go, no, 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 I need to be back there. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially what we see with today's society. Like we have a lot of people who are, immediately going, oh, the safety of the government, or they think they're being rebellious because they're saying no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, they're the people that would seriously put on a Guy Fox mask and not even understand what they're doing. Oh, exactly. Yeah. They they, they, they wear the mask nut. It's it's like the... It's the it, Punisher. It's the, it's punisher, the punisher on, on, on the cops. police cars. Yeah. yeah you, you don't understand the character and that, that it shows by you placing that sticker on your police car. It, he he would be very upset with you if you had put his skull on your car. Um, it, it. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm, I I went blank. Sorry, <laughs> um, sorry. No, because you talking, get you get a little bit angry on that one, and you, I fully I understand. Do. Yeah, I, I wear a Punisher shirt, and I don't. I don't want to see police wearing Punisher logos. It it it, it shouldn't. You shouldn't be maybe when they're off duty, off duty, and yes. they're being a civilian. Exactly that, that you like the character. You shouldn't be having the it skull, on you. The skull is cool. Skull yeah. looks awesome, man. Looks it's great in the t-shirt. Looks great in a bulletproof vest worn by John Bernthal. But wearing the skull <laughs> in your uniform is like wearing a Rorschach mask, and you're part of the clan. Exactly, exactly. And, exactly. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Amy, you even kind of described what you were saying there by people rushing back to the thing they're used to. You described the scene where. Uh, v is trying to pull Evie out of what she's used to, of yep. trying to show her freedom. And she keeps running back to, you know, she's crying, she's getting asthma, she's freaking out. It's a perfect description right there. Um, favorite moments in the comic. Um, for me, because it reminded me of Watchmen, was uh, Nurse Delia thinking back on her journal, or mm. them, the police reading her journal of her daily experiences there with Room mm. 5. It and reminded me. me Yes. Yeah. It reminded me of Dr. Manhattan explaining how he became Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Like the way it was written, the way it was put up, it flowed the It has same like a circular motif as it goes on. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it also provides us the backstory of, of, of V, the, the, the shadowy figure in this ball of flame. And I just loved the way it told because it just it reminded me of that, that past work. And so I read that. I almost heard the music uh, that Snyder used in the movie. When he was showing those same moments, Doctor Manhattan, Doctor Manhattan's backstory, oh. that same score, I heard it in my head as I'm reading Delia or Delia, Delia or Delia, 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 Delia. Wow, it's okay, Delia. <laughs> 
those panels. I, I read my those first panels. It's okay. <laughs> Kids' first day of school today. Okay. Um, I heard that score in my head as I read those panels, and I thought I just that was I loved that scene so much. That that those panels so much. Uh, Amy, favorite moments in the comic. Um, the first in, this is it's going to end up being in both sides. Um, the comic did a good introduction. In the movie, the movie did this one a little bit better, but seeing the shadows gallery, mm. uh, that for me, it was very reminiscent of uh, equ- equilibrium. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tread on me, tread on me softly. Yeah, treading on my dreams. And so, <laughs> um, I I liked that moment just for a little bit of a reprieve for me. Um, and then things that really stood out to me um, that I remember clearly is when Finch goes to Lark Hill and he's on LSD and mm. he's moving through, he's conjuring up his memories and he's moving that way mm-hmm. and he takes those steps so that he can better understand. I rem- remember seeing those panels and going, oh, mm-hmm. crap. Astounding. Um, and again, like I'm trying not to compare it to the movie, man. I'm trying. I know. I know. So freaking hard. Well, um well, I was going to say one thing it's hard to compare to the movie that I really love is like a small motif that happens. Not really a motif, but it's like a detail. And that's the thing like you really, listeners, you guys all know the movie. So mm-hmm. us try and tell you and encourage you to read the book. This is like to me one of the big sells is like one of the things, the, te- the details that V tells Evie and about the quote unquote Duke box, aka mm. the jukebox. And he talks about all these musicians and artists and music and music is beautiful. And she doesn't even know what he's talking about. Because in this world, in this fascist regime where they have, you know, again, they they have these um, curfews. They have all these regulated quarantine event thingies mm-hmm. uh, going on. Um, people don't know what music is. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that was a detail that was kind of like missed from the film that kind of like, man, I really wish they kind of like drove that home a little bit more. That like, imagine our world right now where like there wasn't actual television. Yeah. The only thing that you could watch was the news. And oh, if you God, flip to no. any channel, it was another news station. But they're all yeah. controlled by the government or by your, you know, by the, the governing power. And just thinking like, this is what a cartoon is. And, you know, you're watching, you know, Tom and Jerry or, you know, in the in the film, it's oh, Count of Monte Cristo, right? Cristo, Where it's like, yeah. oh, my God, like, this is what it feels like to watch something that isn't about something that like we get to just be humans and see life. And it's beautiful. Yeah, this is. And in, in this regard, it, it also brings a kind of a, a smack sound for the giver, too, if we're talking book books. Um, so Lewis, uh, Lewis, Lois, sorry, Lois Lowry, I swear I read you when I was like in eighth grade. Um, <laughs> that book, sim- similarly, their society has been devoid of any opportunity for the pleasures that we daily take for granted. Um, and she flips it on its head so you understand what the protagonist in that book is getting themselves into where they are being inundated with all the memories and they're experiencing all the good and all the bad. And then um, the way that things are slowly stripped, they had been stripped away for so long in uh, V for Vendetta that you just kind of became complacent that it's, it's everything is gone. It's the, the, they don't even really, I don't remember if they bring it up in the book, but the, the line in the movie was real butter. Mm-hmm. And it's the conversation of real butter and these these privileges that you don't think about until somebody starts controlling it and taking it away from you and you remember back. Like that was 
Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to start. I'm, ha- I'm having a day, guys. I'm trying not to parallel <laughs> parallel movies here. No, It's and, happening. And, and I think that's a cool thing that they do with the drawings. And the, the thing that it's not a comparison, but in a film, you're not really cognizant of it because, like, the pictures are, it's 24 pictures in a second, right? And here you have one frame. Then you have another frame. And mm-hmm. however long it takes for you to get through one panel of dialogue or speech bubble, whatever, you move on to the next frame and then you move on to the next page. And you're kind of devoid of what you see as like posters and pictures. And so like I, I just when you – Amy, when you talked about the the shadow gallery, I'm like when you first see Evie getting ready for the night and then V getting ready for the night, you see these posters behind his wardrobe mirror. And you're like mm-hmm. you could see that her room, her life is boring and drab and his has like these wonderful – posters that like you know we're all used to seeing like at a hot topic or amoeba or like a spencer you know like oh yeah normally you have movie posters and that's normal but it's like he's the only one that has it because he's the one that's kept it all together and it's like Mm -hmm. it's really cool because they kind of invoke and that's why like this book is really big brain sometimes because you're like oh this is what it was like when people were literally culling culture and destroying people's histories and burning books and mm. destroying the existence of anyone's history, and and you're in you're like, wow, the he, this the shadow gallery has all that stuff before the last war, and you're like, yep. whoa, like imagine that, like imagine a place where if everything was stripped away and we all lived in these little gray cubicles which were nice, air conditioned, had beautiful like blooming lights and all that stuff, and you had wi- the greatest Wi-Fi, but that you never had a poster, you couldn't have a book, you couldn't have CDs, you couldn't have mp3s you can stream music it was just you know, that's what it was and i think they do that really well for a book that's you know in the in the 80s mm-hmm. yeah and they the do. thing is that it's taking place in the 90s so mm-hmm. it's like it's supposed to be like 90s i think it's like 97 to 98 or 97 to 99 that's where it ends up in yeah 97, 98, and yeah. and it's so to think about that in 80 in the 80s mid you know early to mid 80s well it went the entire thing so eh, 80s period mm-hmm. um Helen Moore's like, hey, this is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is what we're aiming at if you don't start becoming aware. And people are like, eh, you know, I, I get my Wi-Fi. I'll, it'll be great. Someone someone will feed me my Soylent Greens. Yeah. It, it's, it's the, I think it's a little bit of the fear of, like, you know, the modern. Like, I love a good old contemporary modern look where mm-hmm. it looks, like, surgical and, and, and stainless steel and bland. Because it's like it's just kind of nice and simple, like minimalist posters. But then, like, gotta have some color. You gotta have something that's like non-symmetrical somewhere that kind of like just adds, like, oh, this a human made this, not like it wasn't manufactured out of a a factory devoid of a life and a spirit. Where I think that's where a lot of people are going towards with you know the cell phones and business suits and everything was just all going commercialism. Mm -hmm. um, Where we kind of live in a dystopian of that, where it's like it's a commercialism of, of art in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we get manufactured products left and right. And that's all we kind of care about. Um, instead of kind of like thinking, really thinking about our, like what our diet in terms of like what we put into our, our souls, into our minds, into our eyes and our ears. So it's um, no, I, uh, what I said in one of my favorite parts was when he was talking to, to justice, but mm-hmm. I think another favorite part is when he actually, um, he uh, is in the beginning when he hijacks or doesn't hijack. He kidnaps uh, Prothero in the yes. train. And it's just different, you know, like mm-hmm. 
Um, and so, you know, having hindsight of reading the book, watching the movie, then reading the book, it's very interesting. And you're like, oh, this is how they did it in the book. And so, again, if I'm just promoting the book because Alan Moore's sending me a check, um, then it's that <laughs> you get to really enjoy like, oh, this is different. Like, this is how they did it here. And I'm like, oh, man, what if they did this as like a miniseries instead of a movie? This would be kind of cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, and it's set in the 80s. So or mm-hmm. set in the 90s. So. Set in it, yeah. And that's the there's key players that are missing from the movie that we see in the book and it makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the whole like like the whole thing of like fingermen doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. And then all of a sudden like, oh, the nose, the eyes, the ears. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, it's a body. Uh, I, get I, get it. It. Uh, I get it. I get it. And you're like, okay. And then you get to see how all Alan. these people respond. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and I'm I just and they're just so like, oh, the ears is the guy who's surveilling the the radio signals. The guy who's the nose is the one who's the detective who's it's nose- the police. No, yeah, who's nosing and everything. Yeah, I'm like, yep. oh, that's smart. It's so I smart. You. I see you, Alan. I and the you. eyes are the guys with the security cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yep. yeah. But then also that's yeah. that's like I think Amy was talking about the very beginning where it's like, you know, it's the 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 fickle balance between of like um, willing to sacrifice a little bit of liberty and, and freedom for security. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. like, how much are you willing to do and how mm-hmm. far does that go? And it's a very slippery slope, which, I mean, part of me kind of feels like now if, you know, if David, D- David, yeah, David Lindelof, Daniel Lindelof, if he Lindelof, could, <laughs> if he could, Damon, Damon Lindelof, there it is, Damon. if he can take, because the HBO, Ma- the HBO series Watchmen is a sequel oh. for the comic book, not for <laughs> Zack Snyder's adaptation, Correct. Um, which I think Correct. is just lovely and brilliant. Um, they should do like a HBO uh, carry on story of V for Vendetta. Damon, they do really it. Could. Do I mean, it, Damon. They... In the same way that Watchmen was, where it's like it's a continuation. The events after. The, yeah. Yeah. Damon, 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 do this. I guess there's another uh, set of DMs that Twitter DMs somebody's slipping into <laughs> after this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this episode. Well, I could, cool. I could, I'll hit him up and be like, hey, man, if you just be the producer and then pitch it to HBO Max and tell them I'll run the writer's room. Tell me, right I got it. Tom. Married with you, please, Tom. Tom, please marry it with you, please. You be my writer's assistant. I'm Aww. in. Whatever. I don't care. I'm, in. I'm. I'm a really good admin assistant. I just do that. That's pretty Amy? much what the writer's assistant is. You just all you're doing is on a laptop, being like, uh huh. I'm taking out every note, is there even a check? if it's like dumb shit. It's like I gotta take down all the. Notes. Is there a check? I do that. Yeah, there's uh, usually a check, but it's a very poor yeah. one. You get like half-eaten sandwiches. It's it's I'll actually a, it. it's actually it's better than like I think it's a better than a two fifty a day day rate. Sold, and I work with Tom. <laughs> and you're working with Tom. That's exactly it. Steve, then, did you have any uh, any favorites? I know Tom I, and I are like, yes. I gave I gave that uh, Delia's uh, mm-hmm. moments mm-hmm. her her book. I was gonna ask if there was anything you didn't like. If there was right. anything at all. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, yes. We understand uh, my aversion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier. Yes, mm-hmm. I I. I I do get certain stories where it's brought up, but it does feel like Alan always reverts to that in all of his stories. And like, maybe can we pick something besides rape? Um, I, I think my biggest complaint, not story wise, was the lettering of hmm. it. Um, sometimes it felt I, I did appreciate how he did include a character's accent into the way they were the way he wrote it. So it's like when you have a really cockney London accent, he wrote it the way it would sound. I'm like, mm-hmm. and when you're reading it, Oh, I have an accent now too. Look at that. How about that? Or a Scottish guy or what have you. 
But I felt sometimes the lettering, I'm like, is that a V or a Y? Hang on a second. Let's look at this a little closer. That's a V. Okay, just make it, because sometimes I'm like, a V has a long tail to it. It's a Yendetta. Like, <laughs> <laughs> babe, I'm reading Y for Yendetta. I don't know. It's a knockoff, I think. I, mean, um, I, the, I guess if that, I never had a complaint with the story. I think just that, and again, we talked about it off camera. The 80s were really wordy in their panels. I mean, there are panels that were nothing, were just visuals. And then you have like two paragraphs in a panel. And I'm like, man, okay, I get it. This is all important. I know. Just a lot here. A lot here to read. And I felt some of the lettering could have been better spaced, could have been better formatted. I mean, I don't know what Alan Moore was working with at the time. So maybe he couldn't the best he could with what he had. Um, I think the lettering, hold on, the lettering was by... Man named Steve Craddock. So Steve, I, I'm gonna say you did your best at that time, but for me today, reading it, it, it got made me have to. The astigmatism wasn't a fan, mm. wasn't a fan of it after a while. <laughs> so I didn't have a problem story wise. I had a problem with that small presentation. Again, a minimal minimal thing that does not change the comic overall for me. But that was my one thing there. Anything for you well- too. One thing I did, I won't say it's like an issue. It's more like I had a question and I was just kind of really interested in like, you know, again, without having to compare it to the movie where Evie is an adult woman. Uh, it's really interesting that she's a 16 year old girl here. And like, I, there's part of me that was like, okay, let's imagine it. If it was like a 10 year old girl and it's like, then it becomes Leon the professional a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then let's imagine it if she's like a 26, a 26 year old girl. Right. Then it's like. This girl doesn't know anything about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it a little weird for me because it's kind of like. You know, is V trying to influence the next generation of people to think differently? Um, is 16 kind of already you're too set in your ways? Or is that like the cusp that he that Alan Moore or the character of V through Alan Moore's voice um, sees that that's where the. The, the the tipping point is a, before you're you're too set in your ways and like why wouldn't he influence someone who's older who has a little bit more power or are they complicit and part of the system that they that he's not going to do that um and it just to me like in the very beginning they make so much so big of a deal of like i'm just a 60 year old girl i don't know anything and i you know but then at the beginning it's like I, i'm 16 year old girl and this is my first night being a sex worker i know what i'm doing and it's like do you not know what you're doing or do you know what you're doing? And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, it's, it's a weird thing that like, it brings me back to like Dave Chappelle's bit about like, what is an adult? You know, mm-hmm. it's like this person, uh, this g- little girl who saves herself is like, Oh my gosh, she's, she's harrowing. This other little girl who's black is tried as a, as an adult for killing her kidnapper kidnapper. And it's like, there's a weird level of like, what is an adult in this frame of context? Mm-hmm. And then what is V trying to do? And how do we view Evie as a character in that way? So I just had those questions while reading it other than like, you know, there is a little bit of like, okay, the priest is hap This priest stuff is happening. Of course, with younger uh, p- human beings who cannot pretty much uh, give proper consent, especially by a person who is coercing them with power um and and so it just kind of draws this weird interesting dialogue and i think that's a little bit of what alan moore is maybe invoking but to me it kind of like almost stops you from like kind of just going on further like reading it i think the book to me is like 
you could read it pretty quickly and it's pretty enjoyable to read through and going through. But then mm-hmm. when you stop at those certain things, you're kind of like, but why 16? <laughs> that's, that's my one thing that I was kind of like, really just like, why do we have to go for that age? And maybe it is because like 16 is the age of consent in the UK. And, and mm-hmm. maybe we are, we, they were trying to talk about that. Like, is that really appropriate? You know, because I think even in current times now, there are conversations of like American people going over to the UK and then talking to 16 year old people in America. It's called children over there. They're called adults. So it it just creates a murky water of like, Mm -hmm. you know, what is that like that concept? And to me, I'm always going to be like, I, I, even for me, if I were to date someone who's like four years younger than me and I'm 29, I'm like, uh, you you may not know enough about life. Yet. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it's hard. It's, it's it's interesting to think. And I think like what Amy was saying, like it creates this uncomfortable conversation, which I think you should be caught comfortably aware that that conversations always should be there and we should always be trying to talk about it. Definitely. Yeah. My, Maybe. my big thing for this, um, it, it, from the jump, um, Alan Moore has a tendency to have women be sexualized regardless of their age. Um, and then there's always the looming fear around the corner of something sexually sexual happened to them. Either they're in control of their sexuality or they're not. And then suddenly they're in control of their sexuality. And then suddenly, oh, no, you know, because they're in control of their sexuality, they're more susceptible to being preyed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's consistently that you see it. So when I say I'm sick and tired of seeing rape used as the tool to establish uh, a woman in Alan Moore's book, it I I understand why it's there, but also being a, a sexual abuse survivor, I don't appreciate it anymore. Um, but coming up as Evie as a 16-year-old girl in this, where she she's on that line of she's like, yes, I'm a streetwalker. And then literally mm-hmm. she's going out and she's about to get raped. And then she gets saved, and suddenly it's like, my eyes are being opened to everything that you're teaching me. The question of, are you too set in your ways, is really a great question to have. um, Because in that span of your life, when you become a teenager, regardless of your gender, you are in that space of, well, what do I do now? Do I conform? I've been raised a particular way, or I've been brought up a particular way. Do I hold on to some of that? Do I hold on to all of that? Um, and it's the question, it, it does. It no longer becomes a question of influencing the next generation, but it's the question of what do you choose? Um, because much like we've learned from the doofus years. I was going to say, if you're us, a Steve's and you just stay a doofus for like five years. <laughs> but, I'm just smiling know, at the camera right now. Just keep smiling. Keep smiling, buddy. It's my guy um, Fox face. <laughs> It's, yeah. It looks like you're in pain, face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's Something, but your change is slow coming once you've become set in your ways. It takes a lot to change you. Age now, twenty-eight. Now, when you are still evolving and giving space to yourself to accept and bring in change, you are more susceptible to be turned either way. Um, anyway, which way the wind blows. Um. And you're constantly in a place of questioning yourself. So having Evie in the book be so, and she's not even, he doesn't even paint her as innocent. There's no, there's no space to give her innocence at all because 
she knows what she's doing and then it's like she doesn't know what she's doing, but she knows and she doesn't know. So he puts her in this kind of place of ambivalence that drives me nuts versus the other one that we see, which is much older, mm-hmm. <laughs> the older Evie, the the shift and change in mentality is hard, hard one. Um, and it is a fast forwarding of the doofus years mm-hmm. to get to the place that, that she needs to get with the ending of the comic book having Evie take up the mantle as V. Um, She's decided that she's going to give in at this point. And she's like maybe 17. And so you have to wonder if much like, um, oh, what was her name in Falcon? Falcon the Winter Soldier. Uh, Flag Smasher Girl. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that for now. Yeah. Leader of One World or flag smashing, not One World. I don't. I love. I loved her. Um, but she had that that youthful. People talk about youthful Carly. vigor. Carly. Thank Knew, you. I almost said Carrie, and I was like, that's not right. Um, but with Carly Morgenthal. There it is. <laughs> Morgenthal. Yes. Carly Morgenthal. Wyatt Russell Morgenthal. <laughs> <laughs> so with with Carly in Falcon and Winter Soldier, we see that some of that additional drive is. The is from the zeal of I don't want to say it's the zeal of her youth, but it's from that place of fire. It's wanting to see the change. It's expecting to see change. And the older along we get, it's harder to come out of your doofus years. And some people end up dying in their doofus years. Mm-hmm. You know, when I heard a bunch of people screaming about tea, saying that the first black president of the United States was a Muslim born in Kenya, that's when I felt it was time to change. Yeah, that's when it happened. I was 28, so. Man, you've known me when I was 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was I way see. smarter than you when you were 28. I was getting smarter when <laughs> you directed me. When oh, you started directing okay. me. Oh, um, that said, a fun, not really fun, but side note, <laughs> uh, there are 31 United States where the age of consent is 16. Mm. 31. More than, more than 25, yeah. so it's a majority, technically. Yeah. 31. Mm-hmm. Not California, but yeah, 31 states. Just throwing that out there because it's... Yeah. Anyway. I mean, <laughs> so, and, uh, I mean, I think that's a whole other podcast just to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that What? That Mississippi? Throw, Tom. What? Weird. Because, um, yeah, I don't know. There, 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 I mean, I don't know. There, there, Georgia? There's, yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> there's a so. lot of things I want to talk about that where it's not like, it's without saying that's blatantly wrong. Um, but I think it requires a longer conversation and a reason why, you know, that never, that never is conducive to a conversation. It's like, no. And it's like, well, let's talk about why. Alabama. And even talk about like Uh, how people even like maybe 21 shouldn't be because they are not in charge of their full faculties mm -hmm. and maybe shouldn't be allowed to vote because they don't have proper, um, fundamentals to, to make decisions. And then we also rotate back to that history um, is written by the winners. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the survivors, it's the winners. Mm-hmm. And so then whatever you're learning, when you're growing through those formidable years, you're being fed exactly what the, uh, you know, the mouth wants mm-hmm. you to, what the wants old, you to take in. What the old Sean Hannity wants you to believe. Anyway, mm-hmm. fuck that guy. Listen. Uh, you're so old that, Prothero, baby. Oh my gosh. England prevails. Oh. <laughs> I will say there are a lot of fun things in this book to kind of be like, man, if they wanted to just pulpy it up even more, they could. 
England and, for and then I think Alan Moore would just cry a thousand <laughs> tears, and I'd be like, man. I'm going to have Tarantino do a remake of this. <gasps> oh, my god! And then he would just be like, no. And then he's going to be Sam Jackson as V. But, I mean, this is my worry, is that Tarantino's probably going to make V black and then just make every other character say the N-word all the time, especially you, if Tarantino casts himself as Prothero saying the N-word all over the radio. Remember, remember... The fifth of November, motherfucker. Or he'd, or he'd be the priest, and he wants to suck on some toes uh, or something like that. It's all toes. All it's we all see is toes, toes all day. I don't remember asking she's you a goddamn she's, thing. She's dressed up like you know a young girl, but he's like, take off your shoes. Take In, off your shoes. Instead of dolls, all he has are just foot foot mannequins. <laughs> <laughs> that in that safe would have been brilliant. Um, like that's yeah. all you see. Is we change Evie and make it Bruce Willis. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Sam and Bruce together again. Come on. Tom and I are like, what? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on. What is? It's a really switch things up. Come on. Uh, anyway. You agreed to you agreed to come on on tonight, Tom. This is. We let we left him in charge. Yeah. Be, be fun times. Throwing the Misery Lou song. Anyway, that concludes our discussion <laughs> on Alan Moore and David Lloyd's fantastic, legendary book V for Vendetta. Wow, why do I keep saying the f? V you, you, for Vendetta. I go. like that you're Vendetta. Yeah, v, v, why yeah. for Vendetta? Um, starring Sam Jackson. And Bruce Willis. Anyway, <laughs> so overall, we enjoyed it. We all gave we all give thumbs up to this classic graphic novel. And in our next episode, of course, as I mentioned, we will be discussing the film that came out in two thousand five, directed by the Wachowskis. Correct? Written. Produced, produced uh, by the Wachowskis. Did, I'm sorry. No, they didn't do the screenplay on it. You're right. It's produced. I'm gonna know exactly. Tom is typing. He's typing. He's looking at the screen. Look at him. He's like the guy in the van. He's the guy He's in the in. van. He's the guy yeah. in the chair. He's the guy yeah. in the chair. Look at him. Why? Why am I the guy in the chair? I, I mean, we're all we're all in chairs. Yeah. Um, just turned. Also, the I'm Oracle. So if you wanted me to do this quicker, I would have yeah. done it. But directed by directed by James McTeague. Screenplay by the Wachowskis. You are correct, Amy. And then um, produced by Joel Silver, Grant Hill, and the Wachowskis. Nice. Which I'm also very glad that the internet has like really quickly like the Wachowskis. And I'm like, maybe you should do a re-release and call it the Wachowskis. The way Tom (laughs) turned and looked to the screen and started typing, that made him the man in the chair. Okay? If we wanted to get all upset about why I called him the man in the chair, he turned, he typed, he went to work. If it was a camera. There are many men in chairs. Huh? There are many men in chairs. Okay, but I said right now Tom was the man in the chair for our current moment. That moment he turned to the screen and and typed. can, can, Can it be person in the chair so that the mantle be passed down? D- figure in the chair, all right? Figure God, in the chair I'm, is kind of cool. I'm just tongue-fooing you so hard, you don't tongue-fooing even know. tongue me. <laughs> the tongue-foo ways, man. <laughs> Quoting freaking Peter Parker and his... <laughs> God damn it. Anyway. Well, because his buddy wants to be a CW star, that's why. Yes. Because <laughs> every CW superhero can't do their job by themselves. Exactly. Just Duh. like Peter Parker and the MCU. You got it. Yeah, you need a cast, And we still man. haven't gotten a, gotten a trailer. Achoo. Nobody wants well, just one person. I don't think we're going to get a trailer. I know. I don't think we are either. I feel kind of sad. I, but I th- It's delayed. Because they stopped sh- Far From Home. It got delayed because oh, the, de- right. the the variant. So Loki's variants. That's right. Yes. All Loki. No, not, the, not those variants. My bad. You're fake. <laughs> Tom's like, well, no. Sorry. God. Oh, no. I was like, you made that joke. Well, well, I was like, if you watched the show, you would know that those Lokis actually 
didn't cause that much harm to the time. They didn't. You're right. Nope. You're right. And then maybe okay. they're just. I mean, Kid Loki. All right, Red Pen. Yeah. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> but also, maybe they just weren't happy with black businesses. Mm. Mm, are we ready to have that conversation? I don't know. In the V Vendetta like episode, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. that concludes our discussion on Alan Moore's V for Vendetta. Uh, thank you for listening, as always. And of course, if you are listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, subscribe, and leave a review for the Capeless Crusaders, as well as Nerd on the Podcast. Let us know what you think of us. If you don't like us, as I said before, don't leave a review. Just move along. Okay? Don't even look at us. Don't even look at Tom and I. Just walk away. Okay? Or follow, because now some sub- podcatcher apps have changed the subscribe to follow, because subscribe means oh. to fo- to follow with money. There you go. Oh. That as well. Thank you. Thank you. And Amy, I didn't say your name because you are the most vicious of everyone, and I don't want them to die that bad. Okay? Yes, because my stone cold burns are... Amy? I don't know. Amy. I was... Amy. Hmm. Just go with it. Okay? I would never fight you. Okay? Right? Because you'd be. Oh, well, you did lose that one time when we did trivia a couple of times in a row. And her burns back. are so cold, they're hot. Because <gasps> they're stone cold, apparently. Snap. <laughs> I was going to make a 316 joke and I couldn't. I, I just. That. I got that title back thanks to Jamie. Anyway, I, I was trying to and science it, it thanks out. Thanks to Jamie. With dry I ice. Heal. I, dry, heal. I, lo- I do love a good thing of dry ice. I mean, Halloween is uh, less than six months away. Oh, I've already started playing the playlist in the house. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Steve's has a scientist man shirt on, so I was like, yeah, I, dry yeah, ice. I'm wearing my Dr. Peter Venkman shirt that says back off in the scientist, quoting him <gasps> from the first movie. That's right. And the new trailers for that came out so good. Oh, so happy for that. So excited. I feel Jimmy. like you guys should just have more episodes where you just talk about pop culture shit. Egon. See, I told you like the first like 30 minutes of us hanging out was literally an episode. Egon and Janine have family. Anyway, uh, we will, we should do that. Just a pop culture episode. Mm-hmm. We, we include everyone from Nerd On. It's the biggest cast ever in one of our episodes. What's that like? What's that? Seven, eight windows on this Zoom screen? When we did Are that? Are we allowed to do that many? We beats the party party hour. Uh-huh. Can we do that? We can do that, yeah. can't we? Oh, I, I've been in D&D campaigns where it's like 18 people. Josh, we have Those are fun. Let's do it. You were also this. kind of waiting for a long time to talk, so. It's <laughs> one guy in the corner with the hand up. Is it my turn yet? I just wanted to make a witty comment. Never mind. Keep going. <laughs> it's gone. Uh, it's gone. <laughs> Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Uh, we appreciate your ears and your attention as you listen to us rant and rave about Alan Moore's nice Beef Vendetta. Ears. Yes, beautiful ears. <laughs> I, of course, am the man in the chair of this chair because I'm the man sitting in this chair as we speak. I'm the only man in this room. Therefore, I'm the man sitting in this chair. The Azorian one, Anthony Steves. I am joined by the lovely and talented warrior queen. In the chair. In the in, chair. In the chair. In her throne. Choose what comes next. Lives of your own or returns to chains. The samey. There she goes. And joined by a, an original Capeless Crusader, now one of the main heads of Nerd on the Podcast. He is. The person in your ears. I am Tom. <laughs> nice. The Very person nice. in your ears. Tom, thank you for joining us. And you, of course, thank are welcome to me. join us for the next episode, 171, where we talk about V for Vendetta, the movie. Mm. All right? Until then, to all of you, please, we wish you all a happy good night. Good night. Or good Bye. morning. Or good afternoon. Or whenever you listen to this episode. Or have no. a good one. Have a good you know, Happy have season. A, Happy season, and, you know, go read V for Vendetta, available on Comixology. Boom. 
Hey. Mm, that's how you do it. See that? Uh, good night. <laughs>